good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Just like I said in the earlier service, I could send a shout out to Bejan and Larie and the music team. I think I was here when they did that originally, but I can't remember. It's like brand new to me. It was so good. I think it was in 20, just before we closed. Just be, okay, in 20, okay. Wow, but it, it, it really sums up, you know, the possibilities of the human spirit and reminds us that we all are on the shoulders of someone that's come before us. The progress that we have made in, in our world. You know, we're honoring Dr. Martin Luther King this weekend. And oftentimes in cities and towns and places across the country, people from diverse backgrounds and perspectives come together for a positive change in their communities and our world. You know, I recall... You know, the day that I got the word that Dr. King had been assassinated, I can't believe that I was still alive back then, but I guess time uh, <laughs> is, uh, well, let's put it this way. I'm heading uh, to mature age now. <laughs> anyway, I was in my sophomore year, I think in high school, and I was waiting for a ride after finishing up uh, some after-school activities, and I was with some friends. And I do remember it was a Thursday evening and we were looking forward to something happening that, that, that weekend. And we were just hanging out, you know, at the time. And, you know, I, I just seem to remember that day I was just kind of leaning against the wall, you know, after school with uh, hanging out with uh, some of my uh, partners in crime, so to speak. And then suddenly out of the blue, one of my classmates showed up. He ran up to us and he was frantic and distraught. And he said someone had killed Martin Luther King Jr., now, I have to admit, at that time, I didn't really grasp the full impact of that event and what it meant. But I realized at that moment, something extinguished our innocence in that moment. I mean, after all, there was an individual who was seeking to do the right thing the right way for the right reason. It had a high consciousness. How could it happen to someone like himself? I think at the time, I had very little appreciation of the power of Dr. King's philosophy of nonviolence or the spiritual perspective from which he had come. I didn't understand that until many years later and began to study him more closely. And like a number of my young and patient friends and classmates during that time, we thought that his philosophy was impractical. We thought it was foolish what he was doing. Until I began to understand that it had spiritual roots 
in the work of Mahatma Gandhi and in the philosophy of Henry David Thoreau. You know, over the years, I've learned several powerful lessons from Dr. King, from his work, from his speeches, and the things that he's done over time. I've learned some lessons in truth that I believe can help us in the here and now, to help us as individuals, to help us as a collective society in a world so we can fulfill our potential as spiritual and as well as human beings. So I want to share five of those lessons of, of many. He had a whole bunch of them. If I took more than these five, we can go on all day, and I know that y'all would be leaving after a while. So there's so many more than five, but I just happened to pick these five to focus on today. And the first lesson is this, is that every crisis presents an opportunity for a greater good. I recall speaking to a young man who felt a sense of despair in his life. He was seeing so many challenges in his community. He was witnessing all the divisiveness that was taking place around him, not only in his community, but even beyond that. And I let him know, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. You know, I have that kind of same hopelessness at times. But he was surprised when I said that, you know, such events, when they take place, can be a good thing. He was startled because he said, how can that be? And I simply said that sometimes when things take place like this that we don't like, that really are contrary to what we want to see happen, that are, are harmful to us in our, in our view. These things can be evolutionary triggers to wake us up to our true nature, to wake us up as spiritual beings, to remind us to take whatever action is needed to help us realize we are all part of one spiritual family. There's some, a writing called The Essentials of Martin Luther King Jr., I Have a Dream, and other great writings, I think is the title of it. And the author or the editor of that quotes Dr. King as saying that every crisis has both its dangers and its opportunities. Each can spell either salvation that can save us, move us forward, or can doom us or bring us down a dark spiral. And I would add that the choice, of course, is always ours to make. Because how we see a particular situation determines what it will be for us. And I believe our mission, should we choose to accept it, and I believe it is a mission possible, not a mission impossible, a mission possible, is to accept that. And I think Dr. King accepted his mission, but he knew it wouldn't be easy. He noted in one of his famous quotes that the arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. And sometimes the, the movement toward justice that he was working for emerges sometimes out of a tragic event. Something that is so horrific that you can't imagine that something good can come out of it. Some of you may be familiar with this historical event in which Emmett Till in 1955, he was a 14-year-old. He was from Chicago and he spent the summers, you know, visiting his relatives in Mississippi. You know, that was kind of, I used to live in, in the Northeast at the time. I remember when I was growing up, that's where our parents would send us, when he sent us to Mississippi, he sent us to South Carolina. And I just seem to remember waking up in the morning, early in the morning. They got up really early with the chickens. And he had to go out there, and, you know, and get some eggs and, you know, hear the roosters and see the pigs and, you know, pick different 
fruits and vegetables, and, and, and it was very different from what I was used to. But anyway, you know, he was in Mississippi, and he was tortured to death. His body was mutilated, and his face was disfigured beyond recognition. And this was done to him for something he did not do by some vigilantes at that time. And at his funeral, Emmett Till's mother, who wanted to make sure his son did not die in vain, removed from his head a, a bag, a covering, because it covered up his mutilated and disfigured face. It was really very, 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 very gross from a human perspective. And the photos of his body were seen in every major publication in the United States and across the world. And it shocked the sensibilities of nearly everyone who saw it at that time. And then on top of that, the men who were accused of this heinous crime against him or act against him were all acquitted in about an hour and seven minutes of deliberations. Devastated by you know, what she saw on the television, as well as the acquittal, Rosa Parks, who was one of the people that they were making mention in that video, and they sung about. It was shortly after that that she refused to give up her seat, and that sparked a Montgomery bus boycott. And that was considered the, the beginning, the start of the civil rights movement in the United States that was led by Dr. King for several years. I say all that because he had turned that horrendous crisis into an opportunity for some greater good. And I believe that no matter what we're going through in life, we can do the same thing if we begin to see that and set that as our intention. We can do that for our individual lives, no matter the things that we face, but we can also do it as a collective to begin to bend the arc of the universe toward justice in our own unique ways, in our own unique approaches. Recognizing that it often starts in that moment of crisis. So the first lesson I believe that we can take from Dr. King is that every crisis presents an opportunity for a greater good if we look for it, if we set that intention for it. Well, the second lesson that I believe that he left up is that we must paint a compelling vision of a better tomorrow. We must paint a vivid picture, so to speak, you know, we are, most of us are familiar with this statement in the book of Proverbs that says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I mentioned earlier, I think I have a, a modern day version of that or an updated version of that that says kind of like the same thing, but a different way in which we say, where there is no vision, the people squabble. <laughs> Need to have something to work toward. Need to have something that you're focusing your eye on in order to stay in alignment for the high possibilities that are available for us. And I would say that, you know, America, our world, if we look at all the things that are going on, probably this needs a compelling vision. Sometimes we come together when there's a tragedy, but really a compelling vision would be so much better. And sometimes I ask, when was the last time that we had such a compelling vision that really captured our attention, that captured the essence of who we are, that made our souls stir? Maybe it's the time that Dr. King said, I have a dream. And he began to speak about the, his dream of the possibility of all people coming together, working together, being creative together for a bigger idea. Understand a vision is something so clear in our mind, we can see it in our imagination. We can see it in our imagination. 
And it serves as a roadmap for a successful life because if we don't have it, we'll become directionless. You know, there's an old proverb that says that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. You got to know where you're going. You got to have a clear vision. And vision will take us from where we are to where we want to be because that's what I think the universe supports us. We get support along the way, but it has to know exactly what it is. We have to have some direction. Even if it's not totally perfect, I always say, set the direction. The spirit will make the correction along the way. But set the direction, then it knows what to support. It has magic to it. And the steps along the way, without our understanding how, how or why, will begin to show up. And this whole spirit of living God that sometimes we can't put in words will begin to move through us, help us grow through and up to these visions that are there for us. It doesn't matter what level it may be on. I was sharing that, you know, I had, during the holidays, I spent most of the, a lot of time with my son Jalen, who was uh, home from uh, college during the holidays. And besides his school, you know, he, one of his really passions is hip-hop music. And so, you know, he puts a lot of stuff online and different platforms and so forth. And he said he started creating a vision of having more fans, more followers, you know, on these platforms. And, and so he went on, you know, he said, well, I'm going to focus on TikTok. That's the latest thing, you know. Well, I don't know if it's the latest thing. It's the latest thing for me, you know. <laughs> Whatever they invented this morning would probably be something new. But he was working on TikTok, and he came up with this... Um, duet thing where somebody does a beat and then he raps to it and he ended up getting like 1.5 million views on it and then that increased his number of followers from like two or three thousand to over a hundred thousand and he said he had this vision of it happening but he said man it happened so fast I just set that vision a couple months ago and he said, you know, I needed to have another project to follow up on, you know, the success. And luckily, he had already worked on something to have, you know, another album. And then he put it on there in anticipation of that moment. You know, as we think about the power of painting a compelling vision. I'm reminded of someone else in history uh, during the era of Reconstruction. And I shared the story about, a, an, you know, an, an uneducated domestic worker. She was a child of slaves, had, and she had a vision for her life that seemed to be impossible based upon where she came from. But she set out to, to move from simply being that domestic worker to having her own product line for hair products. And she wanted to do this all over the country. And as I read about her and saw, there actually there's a movie about her. Now, she started out in 1900 with $1.50. And she started her own company just from that. And by 10 years later, she had like 5,000 agents all over the United States selling on her behalf. And eventually she had a chain of, 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 of beauty products and stores throughout the United States. And she moved over to the Caribbean as well as South America. And eventually this woman, Madam C.J. Walker, despite what appeared to be impossible and incredible odds against her, became one of the first self-made women millionaires in the United States. But she had a compelling vision for herself. She had a compelling picture of what she wanted. 
And she demonstrated the power of capturing and believing in a compelling vision to create a whole new future, not only for herself, but for so many of the people that worked for her. You know, that's what Dr. Martin Luther King, and even though he didn't complete the vision, he set the intention. But the whole idea of having that compelling vision, we can do the same for ourselves. We can do the same for the world in which we live. So the second lesson from Dr. King is create a compelling vision. Create a vivid picture of a better tomorrow, whether it's for ourselves, whether it's for our family, whether it's for our communities, our spiritual communities, our state, our country, the world. That is the third lesson for Dr. King. And that is to act according to our highest values, no matter what. Stick with that. What do you really believe deep inside? You know, during the civil rights movement, he, he said many were tempted to resort to, to violence to advance their cause. And during that time, some of those folks did. And Dr. King, like Mahatma Gandhi before him, called upon his followers to adhere to a higher standard. And he reminded those folks that were part of his movement that we must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force, is what he called it, a spiritual essence, a spiritual power. You know, there's a story that demonstrates how in a moment of truth, he held firm to his values and he wasn't going to be moved to go outside of what he believed in. You know, he was in a crowd of people, and I think he was leaving a speech or a rally at the time. And out of that crowd, a, a very well-dressed man came out, and he asked him, are you Martin Luther King? And Martin Luther King said, well, yes, I am. And he said that very well-dressed man at that moment just spit on him. Now, the average everyday person, well, maybe speaking for myself, I don't think I would have been too happy about that. I probably reacted in, a, in an instinctive way that would not be of a high consciousness. But in that moment, Dr. King took out his handkerchief. He wiped what he said, the hate from his suit, balled it up nicely and said to the man as he handed him his handkerchief and said, I believe this belongs to you. In one of Dr. King's speeches, he said, let no man, let no person pull you so low as to hate them. I think in that moment, we might say there was, an, you know, most of us say, you know, I might have some values, but this instance is an exception. This is where I need to say, no, it doesn't really apply. Most probably people would have said, you know, I need to break away what I say I believe in and my belief system just this one time, and then I'll go back. But King didn't do that. He held fast to his values even when severely tested in that moment. So lesson number three from Dr. King, act according to your highest values and act consistently no matter what. 
And then I think there's lesson number four that he brings us. Recognize that we are interconnected. There's a very poignant quote from him that says, in, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All persons are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied together in a single garment of destiny. And whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. He goes on to say, I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. He says, this is the inter." related structure of reality. We're all interrelated. You know, there's a Hopi elder, Mona Palaka, I believe her name is, and she's an author, and she noted that it's been the cultural philosophy of, of her Native American people that all people, that all plants, that all animals, that even the forests and the fish are all our relations. And as a result, it guides their actions in a way that is life-sustaining. And they have a worldview that is open and inclusive of all people and everything around them. You know, the central tenet of all spiritual teachings, the ancient wisdom teachings, is that we are interconnected. We are connected on a soul level. We often forget that interconnection on the human plane that happens. You know, as we witness the challenges of our day, the environmental breakdowns, the, you know, the pandemic that's led to political and cultural divisiveness and, and disparities in so many different ways, I think now is the time more than ever to reimagine and to reconstruct a different world. And I think that the good news is that the principles of truth that King believed in and, and we support and believe as well they're coming into their own right now. Now is the time to address the challenges that we are facing. It's taken a while for the spiritual teachings to mature and kind of catch up to where we are. Because I like to say in the beginning, it was, you know, it was getting its footing about you know, our individual healing of the body. Yes, that'll always be needed. Healing the relationships, personal well-being, trying to make things happen you know, materially. That's all good. We'll always continue to do that, but now we're about a collective healing and to transcend and live out the common interconnection that's before us. We must move from me to we in our transformation. That because what we see our picturing in our world and our society is nothing more than the collection of the group collective consciousness, you know, as within, so without. Because as we change, as we grow and expand individually and as a society and identify with our true nature, we become the leaders who create a world that works for all. This is our aspiration. Yes, once our needs are met, then what? There's something beyond that. I think by recognizing and operating from our interconnectedness, we can be part of the collective change that our society and world is hungering and thirsting for. This is what we really want. 
So lesson number four from Dr. King is know our interconnectedness and what that means for the greater good. And then finally, there's lesson number five. Maybe the most important one that really underlined everything that he did. And that lesson is simply love. And I think he said even love those who we do not like. I think Jesus said in a different way, he said, love your enemies, those who persecute you. And as I often say, that's when those who were following him said, I follow you no more. No more. That's the hard lesson. You know, King wrote a note after someone asked him, well, what do you believe the meaning of love is? And he wrote a note in hand. And he said that love is the greatest force in the universe. It's the heartbeat of the moral cosmos. He said he or she who loves is a participant in the being of God. King focused on the role of love as key to building healthy communities, expansive communities, and the ways in which we love can and should be at the center of all our social interactions. So for Dr. King, love is a key part or the key part of creating communities that work for everyone. Not just the few at the expense of the many. And he recognized that love wasn't a mushy or easily dismissed emotion. That's on the human love level. But this kind of love is central to the kind of community that he envisioned because it reigns on everyone. You know, he made a distinction between you know, the forms of love which are key to our human experience. He called it eros, philia, and most importantly, he talked about agape love. The first two are more of the human level, but agape is really that mystical, spiritual something. Because agape means understanding and redeeming goodwill for all men and women. It's an overflowing of love which seeks nothing in return. It does it because that's what it is. It can't help itself. You know, sometimes people say that means that I have to, you know, hang out with the people I don't like or go to dinner with them. No, it doesn't mean any of that. It means that we see them from the highest point of view no matter what their flaws may be. And we no longer bring forth the negative energy that we send towards someone that we don't think we like. Because sometimes if they knew better, better, they do better. They're doing the best they can with what they know. Sometimes people don't know much. So as we see the deepening divisions, sometimes in our country, in our world, King's words and philosophy are perhaps more critical for us today than any point in our contemporary history. As he says, indeed, agape is a willingness to go to any length to restore community, restore a sense of oneness. And he outlined a vision which we are compelled to work toward making our communities inclusive. You know, at a time... At this time, there's a great deal of division and so many appearances. There's a need to bring back King's vision of agape-fueled community building and to begin to speak about where we are, 
but more importantly, where we want to go and to approach differences that come up with an open mind that spirit always has the answer if we set the intention to find it. So the final lesson is the power of love. So to sum up, these are just some of the lessons from many that Dr. King lived and we can learn from him. Know that every crisis can be an opportunity for greater good. No matter how it may look at any given moment, there is some unfolding good waiting to be expressed. The second thing is that we have to paint a vivid picture of a better tomorrow, a vision of a better tomorrow. That's when the universe can come in and say, I still can support you because I know where you're going. We have to determine what's really important, our values that go beyond anything that is changeable that we want to stick with regardless. So we have to act according to our highest values and be with that, express that, embody that. We have to recognize that we are interconnected, that whatever we do to one, we do to all. We are all connected on that soul level. And then finally, you know, the most powerful force in the universe to express that love itself, particularly when it seems inconvenient. Well, Dr. King was indeed one of the great transformational leaders in our contemporary history, one among many. We saw some of them in that initial song, and lots of them. There are many here now. There's people, you're the one of those in the room. Yet as we continue to honor Dr. Martin Luther King, we say thank you for being a model of possibilities. And we do our best to live up to those ideas and ideals that he embodied. Because now is the time. We are the ones. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center Transforming lives As we love, serve, and remember Who we are One heart